This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to the Double Feature Movie Podcast. There are so many podcasts out in the world. Thank you for choosing us. I'm Jonathan Roberts, and I'm joined this week by Chow Suen from The New Paper. Hello. Hello. Now the film this week we are going to review is Us, the second film by Jordan Peele after his near-perfect debut of Get Out in 2017. Very hard to get into this film without spoilers. Uh, at a very basic level, how can we describe this? Well, I'd say a family's lakeside holiday turns to terror with the arrival of a family of doppelgangers. I am quite used to my horror. Suan, you're not. And how was your experience watching Us? Okay, I'll be the first to admit that I'm terrible with horror movies. I spend most of them hiding behind my hands, as John Rockwood testified to. Well, you did during the Pet Cemetery trailer. You heard it, but you did not watch it. It it sounded scary. That's all I needed to know about it. But I actually thought that Us was very elegantly executed horror. Like it, it didn't veer into just jump scares or shock factor. It was it was horror that was sort of like played on your mind, and I feel like that kind of thing I'm I'm, I'm okay with, and I enjoyed it. Enough that I actually didn't mind so much that it was terrifying. <laughs> you don't mind the terror. Yeah, I mean, you were making fun of me because I was sitting in the cinema, it, it, crunched up. I, I have to confess, I, I did. I mean, I'd seen it before. The first time I saw it, it was one of those press screening things where you've been a lonely place. To watch it with an audience was very fascinating. To see where it's quite a funny film as well. Mm. So it's interesting to see where people found it funny and where people. I mean, a whole room flinched at certain aspects. I think this is one of my favourite horrors. I mean, last year we had Halloween. This has similar aspects in that Jordan Peele very smartly knows how to use stillness. That stillness can be utterly unsettling. The start sequence where you watch this little girl wandering around a fairground and she's carrying a red toffee apple, big red toffee apple. But just that, that it builds the tension. And you're watching it and you're thinking, where is this going to go? I think that that's kind of the thing that I really appreciated about this film was that he wasn't afraid to take time. Like, it's straight up just sequences in which nothing moves, there is no sound. It's like, it's the shot of, like you were talking about the apple, the shot where the apple lands in the sand and it just freezes in that shot. And when you first meet the doppelgangers, they stand on the driveway. They don't move, they don't say anything, there is no music. It's not like it's trying to tell you how to feel, right? There's no like, dun-dun-dun. But it's just, nobody moves. And he just keeps the camera unmoving. And it works. When Evan Alex, who plays the young son of the family, when he says, there's a family in the driveway. Yeah, I mean, there is a collective shiver that went through the cinema. It kind of plays on a very common nightmare. Yeah, it's kind of the idea that like you feel safe in the home, but you know something's out there, which is almost scarier than just being out there with it. The other thing about this film is that aside from it looking so... Effortless. And it's effortlessly stunning. Like, it looks so good. Yeah. So, aside from that, he has amassed an amazing cast with this. The kids are amazing. And you've got to bear in mind that every cast member plays their double as well. Well, the kids are good, like Madison Curry, who plays the girl with the toffee apple. You'll notice I'm trying not to spoil anything. (laughs) Madison Curry plays the girl with the toffee apple. Uh, Shahadi Wright-Joseph plays uh, the daughter of the family. Evan Alex, as mentioned, plays a son. Winston Duke 
who you may recognize from... Black Panther. Black Panther, yeah. He was uh, the guerrilla tribe leader. He has actually got a very unenviable task in this, in that quite often he's the comic relief. Uh, he plays such a affable but hapless kind of dad who, you know... He's kind of an overgrown child. The greatest in this, though, is Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, she's just... So do you remember the social network where Army Hammer played twins? Yeah. To the effect that everyone still thinks that Army Hammer has a twin. Played two people so convincingly, you kind of forget he's only one person. And here, it's a similar kind of thing. She was amazing. Like, from the way the two different characters moved, like, to... The mannerisms were completely different. Mm. Like, if you told me that they were two different actresses, I would probably have believed that more readily than that they were the same. Exactly. The doppelgangers that turn up are all in red jumpsuits, boiler suits, whichever vernacular you particularly want. They all have a leather glove. They all wear sandals. They all have a gold pair of shears. They can only communicate in grunts and very strangulated... um, very strangulated sounds, apart from Lupita's character, Red, who's yeah. called Red in this. And apparently, watching interviews, uh, Jordan Peele has described Lupita as going quite method w- with this, quite Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, and she did a lot of studying into how to create that particular sound of voice, uh, which is based on a people who've gone through a lot of trauma find... Uh, that the vocal cords are restricted in that way. So she was trying, and the way she talks is haunting, especially her first words being, once upon a time. It's very restricted. It's kind of, she's having to swallow with great difficulty at the end of each word. Yeah, haunting. It's it's so (laughs) drawn out that it makes you kind of dread her next word. You know what I mean? Like it. It silences a cinema, yeah, though. It really silences a cinema because everyone is hanging on every strangulated sound. It's true. And of course, it's not just the way she sounds; it's the way she moves as well. I think that's the thing about like Nyong'o and the two kids. They they nailed the two the double character. Like they really the way they moved. It it was just brilliant. Like you could feel the slight sort of like unhingedness in their double you know and it's it's so nuanced and so subtle but you like there's no way you confuse the above ground character and the yeah the double yeah but it's I mean it goes a lot more I think this is a film that you definitely need to see with friends because you will definitely be talking about it and like Get Out there's a and a lot of the best horror films this is a lot of social commentary in it and YouTube is already feeling the flood of being awash with theory videos and video essays on what is the meaning behind us. And this one is not as clear-cut as Get Out. Yep. Get Out was very clear. Um, I'm not going to say anything about Get Out to try and not spoil Get Out as well. because. <laughs> but this one's a really solid follow-up. Yeah. I think you also will have to dig around on the internet afterwards mm. just to have a look at what Hands Across America, because that plays a very prevalent part. And that was a real thing. Um, it was a charity move. So everyone was meant to hold hands and form a, a human chain, a human, yeah, human chain across America from sea to sea. Didn't quite happen because basically topography doesn't quite allow you to do that. You know, you kind of people freezing in the Appalachians. Uh, or 
baking in the desert. Yeah. But that's kind of what I thought was really brilliant about us is that it was so there were so many different things to like feel about it, but it left it really open. Like the three people I've spoken to about it, they've all had different interpretations of what it means. You know, some people, I mean, even looking at reviews, some people think it's a commentary on the current political state in America. Some people think it's talking about, you know, um, social issues such as family dynamics or like our dark halves and how everybody has that, you know, cruel side about them. I mean, it's it's so open to interpretation that I feel like no matter who you are, what your experience is, like going in to see it, something about it will resonate with you. To be honest, I was kind of worried it was going to stick to being just a home invasion thing. Uh, but it expands beyond that. I mean, it really does expand. Um, also, I realized why there were so many rabbits. That's apparently what they were feeding on. Okay, so, yeah, rabbits play a part in this. I Just before we get into spoilers, I'll also say that I think um, Michael Abels, who's behind the music for it, has done an amazing job, including being behind the remix of this 90s jam called I Got Five on it by the Loonies. He has basically converted it into this tension-inducing fear fest very dramatic, but but it is. I mean, it, um, the scenes that it accompanies, without spoilers, um, are amazingly choreographed. Just amazing uh, moments there. We've said a lot of stuff. We've kind of tried to avoid spoilers, but just to get into it a bit more, spoilers, spoilers time, spoilers. It turns out that the doubles have been living underground and they're part of a former experiment that has long been abandoned. And in this underground area, there's lots of rabbits, which were obviously part of the experiment and left there to feed these people. And apparently every double, you can clone someone, but they only have one soul. So you're kind of tethered to each other. And therefore, where you're moved to, is where your double is moving underground. It's the idea that these doubles were created to, to sort of control the above-ground population. Okay, I have to say that some of this film, you have to give it a pinch of salt. You just have to take it on face value. Lots of doubles are living underground and they mimic. They're doing what the above-ground version are doing. If you If you pick at it, it won't quite make sense because... He set them in one corridor underground, and it doesn't quite scan that everyone's going to be in the same place upstairs. Um, but yeah, those are things that if you can let it go, and I think you should because it's more about the message more than the uh, rather than the factuality of it. Yeah, this film will leave you walking out with a lot of how questions. I suggest you don't bother about that and just enjoy yourself. <laughs> think about the film, but just. Not how it works. Yeah, it kind of fall. It can fall apart in that, without going to the, the major twists. Because hey, let's give you something to enjoy. Is about how people have taken everything for granted. I mean, Red herself says, right? Yeah. You know, it's there's there was a girl up there who had a food served to her, warm and tasty, and the, a girl below who. Yeah, know. basically, whatever you've had good happen to you on the upside has been bad below to your opposite. So there is that kind of... I mean, you can see it in how people do things like abuse their maids here. I mean, it, it, you can't help think about things like that, that, how people are just so dismissive of even serving staff, you know? Uh, rude and just uh, 
belligerent and generally completely dismissive to people who they don't think are of their ilk, mm. you know? But they don't realize that actually these pers- this person is just a person like them, basically the same Well, way. like Red says, you know, when they say, who are you? She says, we are Americans. I thought that was so funny. Like, I laughed a lot at that. One of my favorite bits in it is, is the showdown between Red and Adelaide, both Lupita Nyong'o. The choreography in it is just stunning. I love the way she moves in that, or whoever's moving in that. No, I think my favorite part of the film actually was the opening sequence, the bit with the little girl at the fairground. Because for me, throughout the entire film, that was the bit that was the most terrifying. Like that was that was the bit that just like I was on edge. I think the great thing about that is that had me on edge as well, because you go in thinking this is a horror film, and again, is that skill in just letting something happen within the frame, stillness, also sound design. Oh, brilliant! Because screams at a fairground, which is emulated later when they go to the beach, that so just someone going ah no please that you know play. Horsing around, amplified to make it like a real scream. And then you just start hearing real screams happening around. Oh, yeah. No, I think it's also the lighting. Because, like, he, like, Peel just manages to get it in a frame and with the light such that it's really just the girl's face looking at the back of this other girl's head, right? And it's, you know, something's going to happen. You don't know what. And it's just as that girl's turning. And he really takes his time with the period in which you are just looking at the back of this girl's head, waiting for something to happen. And that bit, that waiting bit is what, like, got me. I think that set the tone for the rest of the film because the rest of the film, I keep waiting for that scene to come back. You get well, it's interesting that Red says that she gave birth to a monster when she presents Umbre. But at the same time, the 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 real girl uh, Zora has also been a bit of a monster to her mum in that she's just at that complete rebellious stage of I don't want to do this. Everything's stupid. Why do I have to go on holiday? Ugh. Beaches are dumb. Everything's dumb. I don't want to do anything. I didn't think it was that bad. Build. Of course, there's also, I mean, uh, the other half, uh, the, the doppelganger of Gabe, the husband, is called Abraham. So, of course, with the mentions of Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 11, the 11, 11, also a double. So that's kind of foreshadowing God's revenge or God's judgment, if you like. And you see Jeremiah 11, 11 right from the very start. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this film is one of those that if you really wanted to sit down and, and like pick it apart, you could write an entire thesis on it. Well, as we said, there will be theses on the theses, thesi, thesis, 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 thesis. Well, if you want to write some thesis on us, I'm sure there will be. I mean, Jordan Peele looks like he's going to be a director who is going to have multiple essays written about him. I'll be interested to see how he handles this third movie. Third movies can always crop people up. Uh, Spielberg, you've heard of Jaws, right? Yes, I have. Close, and and ca- Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes. You heard? And his third one is... 1941, a huge flop. Came back after that with Raiders of the Lost Ark which is his uh, kind of... So do you think there is a chance that Peel's going to flop at the next one? Who knows? Who knows? I don't... I mean, you never can tell with these things. Mm, It'd be interesting to see how he gets through if one doesn't quite work out. Anyway, uh, at the strength of this, this is amazing. Anyway, 
spoilers over, as thoroughly recommended. For sure. Even if, well, it's not that gory as well. I don't think it's that gory. There's certainly not. I mean, I think Get Out was a bit gorier. I actually think it was, of, it was quite watchable. Yeah, yeah. I think certainly, you know, don't go if you've got heart trouble. Uh, there's a few scares in there that could set you over the edge. But, yeah, uh, a, an amazing film. Keeps uh, you on the edge of your seat for sure. Yeah. If nothing else, go to see Lupita Nyong'o because she is utterly, utterly stunning and utterly, utterly captivating. Chilling is the word, I'd say. When she smiles, yeah, that's when the icicles go down the back of the neck. Her rictus grin that she gives is just... (sighs) But conversely, hers, Adelaide, is so warm and motherly and sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's... It's like her face looks different. I, I'm almost, it's something about it coming out now that makes me think, I hope it's still, this performance is still in people's minds for Oscars next year because it should yeah. get at least a nom, right? It should be on the awards radar towards the end of the year. We'll find out, right? I, I hope mean, so. The reviews are great, so. Okay, so other films that are about. So, Anne, what else have you seen? So in the last week, I saw Triple Frontier. It's on Netflix. It's um, Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam. It's it's not a mind-blowing film. I feel like it's got a strong enough cast to carry a very sort of uh, predictable It's quite plot. a big cast for a Netflix film. And uh, for, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ben Affleck, I mean, this is... Uh, it's got Pedro Pascal as well, mm-hmm. who for once is not playing a bad guy. Garrett Hedlund, who you might remember from Tron. I don't can't think of much else that he's been in. He's not, yeah. Uh, Charlie Hunnam, who's was King Arthur. I think that was briefly. his less great perform, like least great performance. He's been in better stuff. I mean, Charlie Hunnam, of course, was in Sons of Anarchy. Of course, he could have been in Fifty Shades of Grey, but I think really? that was it. Yeah, he was the first choice for the Mister Grey. Okay. Um, but of course, they did turn up to Singapore for the. A red carpet event. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, which was game of them. But yeah, it's a it's a strange movie because it's it's such a like done before kind of film. You know, it's it's not like it's nothing revolutionary, and I feel like it's it's really just quite a yeah weird, uneven sort of strange plot that is really just you watch it because of the big names, and by the end of it, you don't necessarily feel like oh, this has been a great use of two hours of my life. It's a very Netflix film in that. Mm-hmm. You'd be a lot less forgiving of it, I think, if you'd watched it in the cinema. If you'd paid for it, exactly. And I feel like they just spent way too much time on the build-up, like getting to know all these middle-aged men. I just felt like it, if it's going to be an action film, oh, it needs to get... you got something against middle-aged men now. Oh, I see. Right. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. So what's really you sensitive bring, today? You bring your prejudices in here. Fine. <laughs> I just don't want to spend half an hour in like the beginning of a film where there's supposed to be a hook, just like finding out about who's divorcing who. Like... If it's an action film, it should start with some kind of action. That, that's what I think. Well, it does. But, like, it's... But then it goes shootouts. into, oh, hey, how are you doing? Come join the gang. Yeah, and there's so much, like, weird emotional complexity. Like, he's sleeping with his informant. I, I don't know. It's I just feel like it needed to pick one thing and stick to it because it just ended up being so uneven. And then the time dedicated to each aspect of the film was really weird. But the acting was good. And I feel like that, for me, made it watchable. Yeah, I think a, a slight trip to the edit shop 
would have helped it in some ways. Uh, for me, also on Netflix, uh, there's a lot of good stuff on Netflix at the moment as well. Uh, my pick this week is actually an older film. It's called Layer Cake. It is from 15 years ago now, which is shocking. Uh, 2004 It's essentially the film that got Daniel Craig the Bond gig uh, because there's a little bit in it where he, uh, he messes around with the gun in a very cliche John, James Bond style. For me, it is one of the best British films ever made. It is also a directorial debut of Matthew Vaughan, who I have to say, I don't think he's quite topped it. Um, it's basically a, a London crime drama. It was originally going to be done by Guy Ritchie. Matthew Vaughan, who was Guy Ritchie's producer, then took on the job and de-Ritchied it. So it's not as kind of wide boy Guy Ritchie's gangster lording style. It's also got a very young Tom Hardy in it. Really? And it's, it's kind of weird to see how slim they all are because Tom Hardy's very smooth looking in this. Uh, quite young, quite cherubic. They haven't had all the bulking up. So Daniel Craig's head looks slightly big for his body. It's actually a, a really good performance by Daniel Craig because he plays a guy who thinks he's going to top this crime set and get out. Uh, you never know his name all the way through. They cl- very cleverly never say his name. He never has to say his name. In fact, in if you look at the IMDb for Layer Cake, he's only listed as four X's. X's. X's yeah. Uh, yeah. So clever. Interesting. It's really good. Uh, it actually looks like it's something that would be really, really good. In the and of course, I mean, with the Guy Ritchie thing, it actually makes fun of the Guy Ritchie style loudmouth villains and all the people who want to play it being a gangster. Lair Cake is my recommendation. And with that, that's where we'll leave it for this particular episode of Double Feature. If you're listening, in fact, Suan, why don't you tell them what they can do if they're listening? If you're listening to us on Google Play or iTunes, leave us a review and a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Spotify as well. Oh, yeah, actually, we're on Spotify now, too. Yes, we are. So that Coming at you from all angles. Thank you very much, Suan. Thank you. And until another double feature, goodbye. Goodbye. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightscience.com and bt.sg.